Coming up, why is the mayor of New York snubbing Kansas? Kansas doesn't have a brand. Hawley back in the headlines, and nearly two months after Kansas voters rejected the value them both amendment, the issue of abortion is roaring back this week. Plus the new push to remove cars from the country club plaza. And what on earth is happening in Wyandotte County? The drip, drip, drip of negative headlines and a new exodus of top government leaders. Those stories and the rest of the week's news straight ahead. Week in Review is made possible through the generous support of AARP Kansas City, RSM, Dave and Jamie Cummings, Bob and Marlise Gorley, the Courtney S. Turner Charitable Trust, John H. Mize and Bank of America N.A. co-trustees, and by viewers like you. Thank you. Hello and welcome, I'm Nick Haynes, your host and guide through the week's most impactful, confusing and befuddling local news stories, lifting up the hood on our top headlines from KCMO Talk Radio, Pete Mundo from the pages of your Kansas City star, Dave Helling from our own digital newsroom, Flatland, Mary Sanchez is with us, and from KCUR, Lisa Rodriguez, who's been making news of her own this week. I know reporters aren't normally the news story, but sometimes fate intervenes. A tree lands on Lisa's car while she's driving on state line roads. So you're driving when this happened, Lisa? Yes, I was. I was driving when it happened, about northbound on State Line Road, about 68th Street there, and out of nowhere, I, I hear a crack, and before I can react to that, my car is just smashed. I, and you're, you're just slightly bruised. I'm a little bruised. I'm a little bruised. There was a little, a little bit of impact to my face, but I'm very lucky that it, that it wasn't anything worse. Is, <laughs> is it true that it was a city-owned tree? That is what I'm told. That's what, the, that's what the officer on scene told me. Well, we're very grateful for you to be with us on Week in Review. That really is kind of... A, you said you had the accident. I, I couldn't imagine looking at that. That's even more <laughs> dramatic than I anticipated. It was even. wild. You know, let's start in Kansas this week, where nearly two months after Kansas... Uh, rejected the value them both amendment. The issue of abortion is roaring back. This week, Chris Kobach unveiled a new strategy for restricting the procedure. The Republican nominee for Attorney General is pushing a constitutional amendment to directly elect Supreme Court justices in Kansas. But, Pete Mundo, if the intent is to shift abortion policy, doesn't this seem like a very slow way of doing that? It's slow, and uh, I'm not sure it really would have the effect that he wants it to have because, as we saw, if abortion is the issue on a ballot in Kansas, at least based on one recent example, it's not going to go well. Uh, there's a pretty easy answer to this, and that's get more Republicans elected as governor. I mean, Laura Kelly's nominated and, and put up three Supreme Court justices, I believe, uh, for the state. So pretty easy way. If he had won in 2018, those three are his, and uh, this conversation's very different. So that's what it comes down to. He would still have to win the Attorney General's race. He would still have to convince at least half the legislature in Mary to say yes to this, and then uh, place it on the ballot. But what difference would it really make if we did elect Supreme Court judges in Kansas? Well, I think it does open it up even to more partisanship on that. I mean, you know, Pete is right. And that's the fear of, you know, changing a system that you currently have. But it is kind of a play, you know, a page off of the playbook that has allowed the GOP to shift a lot of things in the United States. You know, it was, let's start very low. Let's, let's get people on school boards. Let's get people on election commissions. And that way we can, 
you know, change policy, change things in a bigger way. And it, it's a little bit of a slice of that type of attitude. But there are 22 states, what I just last checked, Lisa, that actually do directly elect their Supreme Court justices, including on a partisan basis, if you're in Pennsylvania or in Texas or Illinois, uh, are people being less served in a judicial way? And if you happen to live in Austin, Texas, or Chicago, or Philadelphia, you know, I, I haven't I haven't lived in a state that that elects their judges in that way. But experts, you know, that we've even had on our programs at KCUR have said this is a much more fair way to to elect judges. The way we do it in Kansas, it's a similar to how they do it in Missouri, where uh, people put forth a panel of three judges, and then the Republican or the governor uh, picks from those. A couple of things to keep in mind as voters ponder this, the, there's a retention vote in Kansas that's on the ballot in November 6th. So you're going to be deciding on Correct, these Correct, yes or no. Of the six judges on the ballot, Supreme Court judges in Kansas, three took part in the abortion decision. None of them were appointed by Laura Kelly. Yeah. So the idea that somehow uh, she was influential in the abortion decision in 2019 is probably not accurate. He's not on the ballot this year, but that's not keeping Missouri Senator Josh Hawley from stealing the headlines this week. He got national attention for introducing legislation giving states the power to bypass federal officials and deport immigrants. Let's take the gloves off here. Let's enforce the law. Let's restore some order to the border. Now, according to Hawley, the Biden administration's border policies have had a devastating effect on the people of Missouri and the entire country. Did the senator provide, though, any examples of how the Biden administration's border policies are devastating Missouri, Pete? Uh, I don't know if he did, but I'm happy to do it. I mean, we had a kid in Oak Grove High School overdose and, and die after uh, ingesting fentanyl. There's examples of that all over the metro. We know in Kansas, uh, those numbers are up over 50% year over year. We know how the fentanyl is coming across the southern border. China, Mexico, cartels into the U.S., killing kids right here in the Kansas City area. So uh, I'm not sure if he did, but it's not a hard argument to make from that perspective. I will say, Nick, I wrote this for the paper today, there is no chance none that this will become law. It won't happen. There's a great opportunity to be on Fox News and to put out a press release, but it will not pass. In fact, over the last two years, Josh Hawley has introduced 42 measures, 42 or 43. Only one has become law. Kudos to Hawley. He got what he wanted, which was the headlines, and here we are discussing it. It is not feasible, it's not fair, it's not rational, and it's not going to happen. Is New York City picking a fight with Kansas? The Big Apple's new mayor was seen mocking the Sunflower State this week as he outlined his plans to bring more swagger to New York. Here's Mayor Eric Adams at his press conference. We have a brand. New York has a brand. And when people see it, it means something. Kansas doesn't have a brand. <laughs> you know, when you go there, yo, okay, you're from Kansas. <laughs> no. Yeah, well, you know what? <laughs> but New York has a brand. Now, I'm not quite sure why Kansas would even come up. Could this have randomly been about Iowa or Nebraska, or is there history here we don't know about, Lisa? I don't think there's any history, any New York versus Kansas history. It sounds like it was just an, an offhand remark. But what it did do was give an opening for anyone who is from Kansas or the Kansas City area to, to really speak up about what, what they think is Kansas's brand, be that Wizard of Oz, be it uh, you know affordable housing or sun 
sunflowers or or the beautiful prairie or maybe just some modesty and not feeling like you're superior and you're going to talk down to some Midwestern flyover state. Did we see Governor Laura Kelly flying to New York to uh, stand up to uh, Eric Adams this week? No, I did see her. She put out a, or she spoke about this uh, the other night on one of our local news channels, and I did see her comments. They were they were soft. They were soft. I'd give it a, a C plus if I'm being generous because she brings up Dorothy right out of the gates, and I think that's cliche written by you know someone in D.C. who's an overpaid consultant. So a little cliche should have could have gone harder back at the new york city mayor should have gone harder could have said hey what's his brand what seriously what's his brand crimes up you go around you see homeless people going to the bathroom in the corners of the subways and you get beat up it's not a great scene right now for him and uh, laura kelly mentioned actually she was born in new york city right and i just want to say here that kansas does have a brand and i'd like to point that out to the mayor as well but i think everybody's having fun with it uh, you know pete's right they have problems as most major metropolitan areas do we have problems too in kansas city with crime as we know kansas has no brand what about this in kansas you'll see stars and not just the kind that line a boulevard we celebrate real luminaries and those who brighten our landscapes we touch the sky but stay grounded in the things that matter most. The Kansas experience is a salute to the real, to the rowdy, to the wide-eyed wanderers, to the dreamers, to the stars. I'm filling up over here, Mary. I mean, this is the latest (laughs) Kansas tourism ad. We do have a brand. They may have a Statue of Liberty. They may have the Broadway, but look what we have. You know, I, I love that video. It's just, I mean, it's wonderful because it does really showcase, frankly, a lot of things that I love about Kansas. My mother was from Kansas. So I, that's a beautiful video. Now, rather than getting on that flight to New York to set Mayor Adams straight, Governor Kelly may be heading on a big walk instead, walking back a series of new TV ads that got her into trouble this week. The first involves a new campaign commercial in which she claims men should not play girls' sports. You may have seen my opponent's attacks, so let me just say it. Of course men should not play girls' sports. Okay, we all agree there. Do we all agree here? Does that mean she now feels the same way as a Republican opponent, Derek Schmidt, that transgender athletes should be blocked from competing in girls' volleyball games, girls' swimming and running events, Lisa? It, it, I don't think it means that Kelly aligns with, with Schmidt on this particular issue. She has vetoed two trans sports bans that have landed at her desk. It feels like a, a real misstep as a campaign ad, and I'm not sure what the intent behind that was. She was she purposely being fuzzy about that? Piece? Yes, I believe so. I think she was purposely being fuzzy. Uh, and I think on top of that, it's one of those things where she's splitting hairs on this because she would say... Technically, these are trans women, not biological men. So that's where, if you're really not paying attention, the nuance to read into that is she doesn't think they're biological men anyway. She thinks they're really trans women. So she's going to say, of course, biological men shouldn't play sports, but she doesn't view them as biological men. So that's where she's able to get away with both sides of this. Now, if you were still doing your ad watch reporting, uh, Dave, when you used to be on KCTV5, how would you rate a second ad from the Kansas Democratic Party, which has been 
blasting uh, for purposely manipulating a soundbite uh, from Kelly's Republican opponent, Derek Schmidt. What good does it do to fully fund schools? What good does it do to fully fund schools? What good does it do to fully fund schools? That's an earworm, except it isn't exactly what he said. What good does it do to fully fund schools if you turn around and lock the children out of them? All right, Dave, if you were providing the truth check on that, would it be getting a pass, a failing grade, or the verdict is still out? Probably a fail. It was taken out of context and and, and not appropriate. And uh, it's been pointed out what we would have done in that instance, of course, is run the entire quote, and people could make their own judgment. I would like to go back to the transgender issue for a minute, Nick. The governor is clearly trying to have it both ways, which is a very difficult straddle. She came into the editorial board last week, said some things about this issue, which then became fodder for ads and other news releases. And the reason it's a mistake is because the people who consider transgenderism an issue in Kansas have already made up who they're going to vote for. I mean, it's not like somebody who supports Schmidt's position is going to say, no, now I'm going to go to Laura Kelly because she's changed her mind. So when that's the truth in politics, when hedging isn't going to work, you might as well take a stand and live or die with it. I think that transgenderism is an important issue, but the vast majority of voters are focused on other important things in the state, like the budget, transportation, health care, Medicaid expansion, abortion rights, the Supreme Court. That seems to be more compelling maybe than this. And, and fewer people are actually watching TV commercials, period. Correct. They've seen Correct. fewer of these ads, which is why the second ad, uh, which was a social media ad, you know, can you actually get more eyeballs? But just because it's on social media doesn't mean it's true, Pete. Uh, for much of the week, for instance, our local news outlets and the police were spending a lot of time trying to debunk a social media video that claimed a serial killer was on the loose targeting black girls. We got a serial killer again. And ain't nobody saying nothing. Police say that's completely unfounded. It's not true. And so please don't call us and send links with those kind of informations. We already can think the worst on our own. You spent a lot of time talking about this on the radio this week. Why was this taken so seriously? It was only a few segments, Nick. I got to fill four hours a day here, so cut me some slack. Uh, listen, <laughs> it's, a bit, it's, a, it's one of these situations where the cops, these people run this story and they never asked the police about it. I mean, if you're going to run a story about a serial killer on the streets of Kansas City, there's an easy way. We all get the emails from the police in this town saying, hey, homicide here. Here's what happened. Come here if you want to report on it. They never even reach out. It is the, the worst example of poor journalism or the best example of poor journalism I've seen in this town in a long time. But people were believing it, Mary. Some people were, and I think that that is what is just so sad and tragic about this, and it speaks to what is good journalism and what isn't good journalism. I'm pleased that you showed the KSHB. I thought how they managed it was the most comprehensive. We all want to do due uh, diligence uh, as reporters on a story like this, Nick, but there is some history in Kansas City of this type of offense. The Gillum Park killings uh, of 20, 25 years ago, in which young African-American women were murdered, and that went on for months before the pattern emerged and people paid attention. We've had prostitutes who were killed and dumped in the Missouri River. So there is some predicate, if you will, for looking at a pattern of killings and saying maybe there's something more going on here. But, and by the way, you don't take the police at face value either. I mean, that's an important thing to keep in mind, too. They'll say things to the media that aren't true as well. What on earth is happening in Wyandotte County? Three top government leaders have resigned. Two of them 
on the same day. Will we get an explanation this week from new Mayor Tyrone Garner? So far, he said nothing about the departure of the county's chief financial officer and two of the county's top economic development officials. One of them is Catherine Carter, the new wife of Kansas City Mayor Quinton Lucas. Is new Mayor Tyrone Garner shaking things up and getting people bent out of shape because he's wanting to change the status quo? Or is there something more at play here that we need to be paying attention to, Lisa? I think, I mean, we're clearly seeing a lot of tension in, in Wyandotte County government between the new administration and, and the people and the staff, city staff that were there before. Whether it is an intentional clearing out of people or just a mismatch in vision, I think that we still are learning that. But there are thousands of city employees and we're worrying about three people. The same thing kind of happened when Mayor Quentin Lucas took office. As you remember, Troy Schulte, the city manager, left. Shortly thereafter, the, the signs were everywhere that if Lucas won, that would take place because the relation between the mayor and, and Troy at that point was not good. And some other sort of middle-level managers left at the same time. That, as Lisa points out, that turnover is not unusual. I do think, however, there is an important story in Wyandotte County, and that is Ty Gardner, Tyrone Garner, who, who has rubbed some people, particularly on the uh, county commission, city commission, the wrong way, and that's going to be a growing story over the months ahead. But he was a police officer before he got to uh, City Hall. Is that part of the problem, though, of being an outsider trying to make changes inside of government, Mary? It's possible. I mean, I think what you need to, and maybe what needs to be assessed, is what is driving this? Is it just that some people, you know, when you come in new, you kind of want your own team, you want your own people, and that happens sometimes. But is this a position where we have someone who's a new mayor who doesn't understand city government and perhaps is starting to manipulate things in a way that's going to harm citizens and basically just the nuts and bolts of how city government works? And you don't want to muck up those yeah, those functioning I, I, too much. I, I agree with Mary completely, but I do think that there is, or and I think there is a, an, a growing tension between members of the Unified Government Commission and the mayor, in part because of the way he approaches his job, and it's sort of my way or the highway, and some, some elected officials are sort of pushing back against that a little bit. That's a trend, I think, again, we need to pay attention to. While violent crime continues to plague Kansas City, there's another big worrying statistic getting less attention. Traffic deaths have hit a 20-year high. Kansas City is responding with an ambitious Vision Zero project designed to eliminate traffic-related injuries on our streets by 2030. Could one of the most visible changes be happening on the Country Club Plaza, where this week, Mayor Quinton Lucas proposes pedestrianizing the Tony Shopping District. Really all we're looking at is just pedestrianizing an area that is, in some ways, almost asking and built for it. I like it a lot, would not have to worry about cars, and especially during Christmas. That's the reason for the plaza, is to pull right up. You can pull right up the little limit, come back to your car. Now, if you were there during the Plaza Art Fair, you might have loved being able to move around the plaza with no cars to worry about. Why not year-round, Pete? Well, I, I think it's a, it's a nice idea. He seems pretty serious about it, too. When he joined my show this week, he seems pretty serious about it. Does it create this utopia? Does it, does it solve any of the problems or a lot of the problems? I don't think so. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's a nice thought, and it could help with foot traffic, and they desperately uh, need that right now. Are we going to have to build these huge uh, car parks there, though, multi-story car parks, to, to house all these vehicles that are going to be off the streets? I, I think that's a concern, and if, and if the mayor's serious about uh, passing something like this, I think that's a exactly the conversation is going to have in City Hall is, well, for people who get to the plaza, where will they park? A lot of people who work or live near the plaza use those parking spaces a lot. But I think, again, to, to Pete's point, 
pedestrianizing the plaza is not going to solve the problem of dangerous intersections across Kansas City. And it's because we are in a, a city that is built for cars and not built for pedestrians. And we can't forget that in 2025, the streetcar will finally arrive at the plaza. That should help. Oh, well, it may completely change how we envision the plaza, which I think obviously probably does need to occur. I mean, it what it opened in 1923 our world has changed so much since then how we shop the country club plaza probably needs a reinvention and you know with a streetcar coming through there that will be the prime time that we need to start having conversations now about how will it function what what works for the city now the kansas city royals wrapped up their last home game of the season over the weekend and the numbers are in our hometown baseball team saw its worst non-pandemic home game attendance in nearly 50 years. Some people may view that as bad news, but with a little more than 15,000 fans at games this year, could this be turned around as a positive that the Royals, Dave Helling, could get away with a building much smaller and a much cheaper stadium downtown without asking taxpayers for help? We'll see. By the way, that, that figure of 15,000 a game is really uh, generous because they count season ticket sales and other things when they count the attendance out there. Um, I, I, I don't know whether the Royals would take this as a sign that we need to build something we could pay for ourselves uh, downtown, but I will tell you that the editorial board met this week with Teresa Galvin, who is the Republican yeah. candidate for Jackson County Executive, and she is not in favor of taxpayer support for a new stadium, let alone two, which would be at least arguably required if the Chiefs get involved as well. Um, everything we've heard suggests that the Royals are still interested in a vote sooner rather than later on a public component to a new ballpark, perhaps as early as next April. But just quickly, Nick, the deadline to put that on the ballot is January 24th next year. If they're going to do it, they better get going. Well, I think also, you know, you saw this move with Dayton Moore getting fired last week, and a part of me wonders if he became basically a sacrificial lamb. That may have been a move, potentially, politically speaking, to say signal to the voter, we're serious about winning again. We're making a move. Now give us our downtown ballpark. You seem skeptical about that, Lisa. Yeah. Maybe. I, I mean, I think that people weren't, you know, people weren't going to games because they couldn't watch them on TV easily. I mean, what's going to make they me want to go see the Royals? They didn't yeah. go because the Royals were because losing. Were it terrible. makes no difference <laughs> where you play. It makes every difference how you play. When the Royals were in the World Series in 14 and 15, they were drawing close to 3 million people. And, and the average was 33,000 a night because they were winning their games. And uh, that, that seems to be the goal, whether it's Dayton Moore or someone else. But, but the viewers should know that every indication we have is the team is still interested in pursuing this more quickly maybe than people know. Now, when you put a program like this together every week, you can't get to every big story grabbing the headlines. What was the big local story we missed? A bizarre new supply chain problem, Kansas City's Ford plant running out of nameplates for its vehicles. Forget microchips, a shortage of those blue oval badges holding up the production line at Ford plants across the country. And it's a make or break week for one of Kansas City's most beleaguered projects. Is 17 years enough time to make a decision? The Mission City Council finally deciding the fate of the former Mission Mall. It was demolished in 2005. Our steep cuts on the way to the Mid-Continent Public Library System, its appointed board cutting the budget to give tax relief to its patrons. 
And who would have thought we'd be declaring KU football the winningest team in all of local sports this week? The Jayhawks having their best start in more than a decade and experiencing something unusual, a sold-out stadium. And a shout-out to the KC Current, Kansas City's professional women's soccer team clinching its first playoff appearance. Not bad for a team that finished dead last in 2021. The world's largest barbecue contest underway, the American Royal Barbecue, back at the Kansas Speedway this weekend. And is it a case of better late than never? Did you see this? A Johnson County Library customer returning a VHS tape 19 years overdue. What was worth keeping that long, you might ask? This Russian-language film, apparently, with a 30 cents a day fine that should add up to a more than $2,000 charge. But this customer got off lightly. The library recently capped late fees to just six bucks per item. He got a bargain on that. And by the way, the Missouri legislature passing that big tax cut finally this week. But did you pick one of those stories, Lisa, or something completely different? I, I did. I went with something different. And this is a little bit far out of Kansas City. But many of us in our inboxes this week got a press release that said open fishing at this lake in western Kansas that is drying up. Get them with your hand. Get them with a net. However you can get them because the drought is so severe in the western part of the state that lakes are literally drying up and fish will die. And I think that we cannot overstate how much that affects a really crucial part of our state, um, how they may have to start rationing water, and how it does affect cities as well. And, and this week, Kansas City's drought status was upgraded even. Mary. I went with Casey Current, um, which, and I was happy to see that, that you had the footage there. I mean, it, it's just, I celebrate women's sports. Well, keep it with the uh, sports theme. Uh, you know, Nick, I know maybe some of your public television viewers don't always love my takes, but <laughs> I gave you a lock four weeks ago, Kansas football over two and a half wins. I didn't think I'd hit that by the end of the month of September. So KU football's 4-0. They're right outside the top 25. Great story, best story in college football. So we're not only making people smarter by watching I'm this program, your, you're, you're I, saving people money, no, no, making no, 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 people no. money. I'm making your viewers money, Alrighty. Nick. That's what I do All for righty. you. thank you for you know, that, by, Dave. By the way, next week we need to talk about Missouri getting a brand. You know, we talked about Kansas. Missouri's brand is losing football, oh, at least compared to Kansas you. going forward. Um, a couple of stories. First, congratulations for Lisa for, uh, you know, getting through his, her accident. We're lucky to have her around not just her luck. I want to make sure that's on the record. The second thing is the Kansas City Council is mulling an interesting incentive program to cap property taxes on the west side of the of the uh, community where property taxes have exploded in part because rich people are building fancy homes on the west side. But if it works on the west side, other neighborhoods are going to say, hey, I need to cap my property taxes too. And if that starts becoming a common thing, it's going to be a very difficult time down at 12th and Oak. And on that, we will say our week has been reviewed thanks to our own Mary Sanchez and the stars Dave Helling from KC1 News, Lisa Rodriguez, and 6 to 10 weekdays on KCMO Talk Radio, Pete Monday. By the way, we invite you to join us Wednesday night on Kansas City PBS as we bring you the final Kansas governor's debate. Who will lead Kansas? I ran for governor because I wanted to get our state back on track. She accomplished nearly nothing during the first three years of her administration. Derek Schmidt supported the agenda that drove us into the ditch in the first place. There are fewer people working in this state today than there were the day she took office. Governor Laura Kelly and Attorney General Derek Schmidt face off in the final Kansas governor's debate. Watch Wednesday at 7 on Kansas City PBS. And I hope you'll join us for that. I'm Nick Haynes from all of us here at Kansas City BBS. We will keep calm and carry on.